Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. What's their mystique? Nothing stops these people. Welcome to Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso. You're about to meet some of the most amazing people. They've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds. They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events and emerge triumphantly. They're people just like you and me, and they're winners. Are you unstoppable? Here's Frankie to show you how. Well, hello there, and welcome to Mission Unstoppable. We're in May. Can you believe it? <laughs> they say that, you know, they, they, they say that uh, the April showers bring me flowers, but I think it's May rain, and I don't know what it brings. <laughs> but it's it's been a pretty rainy season, that's for sure. You guys might remember in 2015, I was inspired to go from being on a radio show to creating the Good Radio Network, radio that does a world of good, because... For me, it was time to step into the area of social impact, and I was greatly inspired by the United Nations Global Goals. Did you guys know that 193 of the world's countries agreed to the 17 Global Goals? They're now officially known as the Sustainable Development Goals, or SDGs, you might hear, and as well as um, that they will be completed by 2030. Only one country remained outside of this union. We are five years in, and while there's still lots of work to be done, we have the power to end poverty, we have the power to fight inequality and address climate control, and we have the power to end hunger. But it's not just up to countries, it's also up to us as individuals to show up, show up with an urgency and address our future together. So my guest today, she's done that, Seema Sanghavi, she has showed up in a huge way, she's to fight food waste and hunger with her company, Cooks Who Feed. Seema's addressing global goal number two, the fight to end hunger, and she's a perfect example of the impact that one person can make when they are passionate, driven, and care about a cause. It isn't the first time I've addressed this topic, and I'm sure it's not going to be the last time. There are 2 billion people, or 26.2% of the world, are food insecure. But instead of telling, letting me tell her story, let's meet Seema and have her talk about her journey and her movement. And welcome, Seema. Thanks for having me, Anne. You know, it's... It's always interesting to me, and I, and I write about this, and I talk about it all the time, because when, when I switched over to the good radio, um, I sat and I meditated for a long time. I go, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Like, I just need something new and different. And God spoke, if you want to call it God, the universe, whoever said, go and find one person who can change the world, because all I hear is, what can I do? I'm just one person. So here you are, one person who's making a huge impact in the world. So how did it happen for you? And how can it happen for other people? Yeah. So I, I actually don't look at it as me doing it on my own. I feel like I've got a great team behind me. Um, so as you know, Anne, we produce aprons that have a give back model. So for every apron sold, we provide 100 meals. And I do that through ch partnerships that I have established with charities around the globe that are rescuing food waste to feed the hungry. Every right. time we sell an apron, we share the proceeds with our charity partners to help do that. Um, so obviously, they're doing a lot of the hard work on the ground with their volunteers. Um, and then, of course, our aprons are all handmade in India. Um, we provide safe and fair work to marginalized women. So, of course, they're the backbone of this uh, really hand-making all of our lovely aprons. So, yes, I had the idea, but as I'm sure everyone's aware, it takes so much more than just... Absolutely. Right? Absolutely, it does. You know, you're a social entrepreneur and... That the whole point of being that is it's not that you do it alone, it's that 
very few people go from I have an idea to instigating it and finding all the parts to make it happen and put it into motion. You know, I always say I like to birth com companies. I don't like to run companies. <laughs> it's a fun part for me. So what was that moment for you when, when you looked around and you said, all these people, all this food's going to waste? Like, yeah. what can I do? And I'm going to do something. Like, what made you go, I'm going to do something? So the I'm going to do something moment actually came when I met uh, the ladies at this at this NGO in Delhi, India. So it was in 2016. Um, I was in Delhi for a friend's wedding of all things and knew about this NGO and thought, I'm here, I'm going to go see what they're doing. And that moment was when I thought I have to do something to give more women like this opportunity. Um, you know, they were working so hard and I just... I, I just instantly felt a connection as well. I mean, my background is Indian as well. And I, I'm a huge, you know, advocate for women's rights. So to see so many of them now so happy to have, you know, their, for many of them, their first real job, their first for sure paid, you know, fair wage job. Um, you know, and I think my, like, both my parents grew up in the partition in India. Um, unfortunately, my father's family was very... Um, you know, they lost everything when they had to move from Pakistan to India. Okay. And my dad was lucky enough to be sponsored by someone in the West to pay for his education. And that's how he ultimately came to Canada. So when I met these women, I really thought that could be me. Yeah. You know, any small change that could have been. But for the grace there. of God, go I. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. So really felt like I have to help. So it took me a good year to come up with the idea of Cooks Who Feed. I'm a foodie, so I knew I had to do something in that space. Um, because that's what I'm passionate about. And I've heard from so many entrepreneurs, you've got to have that passion to keep going. Yeah. Um, so I knew so I had to do something in food and I wanted to work with these ladies. Um, but it wasn't until I read this article about food waste. And when I learned that, you know, so much food, I think in Canada, over a third of the food that we produce in Canada ends up in a landfill. I thought that that's kind of what that's I insane. The dots. Yeah. That's when I connected the dots. That that's it. We're going to make textile products for foodies and who are so passionate about food themselves and we're going to fight hunger right and we're going to do it using surplus food who designed the aprons they're really beautiful oh thank you so it's a combination of like the women who are making them we have a production manager and myself oh nice yeah, yeah. i love the colors and you know i guess i guess it kind of reminds me in a way some of the colors um uh what's the festival in india where the, the holy Holly, yeah. yeah, yeah, like that saffron yellow and the in that fuchsia and the black, like it's beautiful. Yeah, the colors are really, really pretty. And um, so you say, okay, there's food waste, there's an apron, there's the outfit that that chefs wear. Now, did you go out and go? I'm going to contact some chefs and see if they're going to come on board with me. So the first thing I actually did was I launched a Kickstarter um, because I wanted to make sure. I think when everyone has this aha moment. They, you know, obviously you think it's wonderful, right? And your family yeah. and friends are going to tell you it's wonderful too. But until strangers tell you it's good and they're willing to pay for it, that's when I feel like, okay, you know now that you can, you know, run this as a business. Right. And just because too, it's so difficult to get funding as a social enterprise and to, as a woman, as a woman of, of color, it's, it's hard. Yeah. So I thought I'm going to do a Kickstarter and that's how we'll fund the pr first production if it works. Luckily for us, we managed to meet our goal and that's how I funded the first production. It was after that that I started to reach out to chefs and the rationale behind that was really, okay, I could reach out to all these foodie influencers, but I'm still bootstrapping this company. So why not reach out to people who are already so passionate about this 
and get them to, you know, be brand ambassadors and we'll create aprons with them, name it after them, you know, try to represent their brand. Sure. Who was the first one on board? The first one on board was Chef Devin Rajkumar. So he was eager to be on board. He's, you know, he does a lot of uh, volunteer work. He does a lot just to make the world a better place himself. Yeah. Um, so he was the first one we reached out to and right away he was on board. So his apron is the is the black with the with the fuchsia. The fuchsia. Uh, yeah, uh, same one I got. Yeah. yeah. Love yeah. that one. Yeah. Love yeah. that one. That's my favorite actually. <laughs> I like yours. I like the black with the white. Um so are you staying in Canada with your chefs? Are you going to move out to the rest of the world or yeah, so we have moved out a bit. Um, we do have a brand ambassador in in the U.S. in Florida, Chef uh, Art Smith, and Chef Art Smith actually runs his own. He has a charity that's focused on um, providing um, like training, so teaching kids from underprivileged uh, families how to cook and how to eat nutritiously. Um, so I partnered with him. A lot of people know Chef Art Smith because I, for I think the first ten years of his career, he worked for Oprah Winfrey, so he was on her show a lot. Yeah. Um, she had her daytime talk show. Um, so he's one of our ambassadors. So we have an apron after him and his, his claim, like he, he's known for Southern food. Like he's your fried chicken, Southern chicken. Like right. that's his thing. Uh, so his apron actually has an embroidered chicken on it. Oh, that's that, cute. Yeah. That was his thing. So yeah. yeah. So that was actually fun designing that with him. Um, and, and then Christine. we also worked in Christine. Yeah. So Christine, we actually brought on after Art Smith. Because I was really looking for a strong female chef, and it's hard to find. Like, mm-hmm. there's, there's not too many. Actually, I shouldn't say there's not too many. I think the thing with strong female chefs, and probably a lot of just strong females in general, compared to male co- counterparts, not as they're not as I want. I don't want to say showy, but more just about doing their job and doing it right. I find that men are more. The men chefs are a bit more. You know, want to kind of be more ego in it or yeah 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 ego driven maybe yeah Yeah. so it was it's a lot harder to find strong female chefs as brand ambassadors and i really love her tomato sauce like her her pasta sauce is delicious yeah she's she's wonderful i i i i grew up watching her on tv like so when when the idea that you know that maybe she could help represent us came about i was like no no i don't think she's gonna join us like that's Christine Cushing. Like, that's who I yeah. want to be on TV. Yeah. Like, but she was eager to do it. You know, she helped us. It's always surprising, it. isn't it? Who will say yes to a good cause. And, yeah. and, and, and yeah, they're, they're real people. They're just people yeah. who and happen to, you know. She's so helpful. Like, she was on um, Marilyn Dennis uh, last week, actually, wearing our apron. And she had so many nice things to say about it. It was oh, so wonderful. Oh, that's neat. That's so, so good. Yeah. I love really, that. Really showed, us, really showed us a lot of love. Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. So have you reached out to the women? What's going on? I mean, COVID in India today. Like, what's yeah. going on? I got a friend that just went back there and he goes, he goes, Frankie, he says, it's worse than the media showing. So like, what's yeah. going on? Like, have, are, are these yeah. women safe or? Yeah. So we've paused production right now um, just because it is so unsafe and you know, obviously we want to make sure that they're, they're safe, their families are safe, their neighborhoods are safe. Um, but yeah, it is really bad from what we've been hearing, from what I've been hearing from, you know, the team there is that everyone knows someone who yeah. has passed now from COVID. Yeah. Um, That's really sad. We've got a few members of our team that are ill, um, not, you know, ill, but able to take care of themselves at home. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and yeah, it's just. But they mostly middle, like younger middle-aged women or thirties or. Yeah. So most of the women are moms, young moms, mm -hmm. um, like late twenties, early thirties, late thirties. Yeah. Know, I think there's a few women who are maybe in their early forties, but mostly are like late twenties, early thirties. Um, and the thing is too, a lot of these women, you know, they're, they, they, they live in, in multi-generational homes, right? Sure. So it's, I think that's one big thing too, with why the, the virus is, you know, yes. th why they have the situation right now, because you've got, you know, grandparents, aunts and uncles, everyone living in this Everybody's tiny home. With you. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's so easy and just culturally too, it's normal for someone to show up at your house with food and it's, yeah. it's that kind of culture. So it's so easy for this virus to spread. And, you know, we thought, you know, the thought of, oh, could we send some like sewing, a sewing machine home with the women? But the issue is, well, they're home now and they're having to care for elderly people, yeah. elderly family members. They're having to care for their children. Like, you know, over here, as you know, I, I have young children and I can't, like, it's hard for me to work and I don't have, you know, right. elderly grand or parents to take care of. I don't have, I have electricity all the time. I have, you know, we've, we can each have our own little quiet spot in the house. That's not their reality, right? That's so true. It, it doesn't make sense for us to provide them with tools to work at home. I don't think it would be efficient. Um, so is it demand to, on order or like, do you have like a sufficient amount of, you know, every color here in Canada stored or like how do they send it? So right now um, there are a few designs that are, we're running quite low on um, but we've got ample supply and some other some other designs so luckily we did get managed we did have an order arrive um, a shipment arrive sorry right before the lockdown yeah um, so I'm just taking it day by day really to say okay how long is this gonna go on for and we've we've we're, there's a queue as well with our fabric like our, our yeah I was gonna ask you about the fabric, fabric. Yeah. yeah where did the fabric come from what country so everything's locally sourced everything's in India, India. okay yeah because we try to keep just to be you know as environmentally friendly as possible so everything is locally sourced um, some of our some of the fabric bills come from the state north of Delhi um, so we're hopeful that once they start opening up and I think they will definitely open up much earlier than Delhi at least that can start going because usually for us like that is the first thing is ordering the fabric and that takes a good month before right. we have the fabric on hand. So I'm hoping that at least that can start going soon so that once we have the fabric, Delhi is ready to open up. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's taking it day by day. <laughs> How many ladies sew it for you? So the NGO right now has over 50 women that nice. they hire full time. And most of these ladies have made aprons. <laughs> so, um, most, you know, most of them are involved in some part of our production, whether it's the actual sewing or cutting or queuing it, you know, quality control. Yeah. Um, they have di there's different hands that, that touch the fabric at different at different points. Sure. Um, and what we do is when the last person to stitch the apron, when they're, you know, finally wrapping up, we just tie it in a simple ribbon. They sign the hand tag saying that they made the apron. So they were the last hand to touch that apron. So they signed it off. So that way you know who made your apron. Um, yeah. I mean, that being said, like I said, it, it is actually a, a handful of women that are probably involved in the whole process, but the last woman signs her name. That's really cool. I like that idea a lot. The um, Okay, so we've got your production. Everything's happening over in India. Do you ever feel like, oh my God, I'm not there. I need to hand, have my hand touching it. Or you feel confident that, that the show is being run? I feel confident. The team is really wonderful. Working with the NGO has been such a great experience. 
And I think also like when you're working with people who, you know, they're so grateful that to have this opportunity, they're not going to mess it up. Yeah. You know, yeah. and they do such, a, they, they go above and beyond. Like the, the quality that we get from them is, is, is wonderful. And I, I couldn't ask for more. I really trust them. What's been difficult is not being able there to have input for like new designs or like the sampling is taking longer. Right. Just having, you know, seeing something through like zoom um, is not as efficient. And then when, when they have to send me a sample so I can see it, that all takes time. Yeah. So the last few times when we came up with new designs, I was on the ground. I was there. I could see the colors because things, colors sometimes do look different. Yes. Yes. So I was, you know, I went there to do that. So, you know, if something doesn't look right, we could go back to the market the next day, pick up something and try something different. So that process is taking longer, but I feel that's more on me. I'm, I'm like, do you dream of, do you dream, oh, this apron would be nice or that apron would be nice. <laughs> Oddly enough, I do. Uh, <laughs> I do. And it, sometimes, like, the last time I was there, just walking through the market and looking at all the colors, like, that mm. gives inspiration as well. Sure. Right? Like, oh, that's sure. a beautiful color, and it would look so nice with this color. And so that is what has made, like, coming up with new designs challenging. Yeah. We're, we're, we're right now, well, now it's pause, but we are launching our kids line. That's right. Aprons as well. So that's on pause, but it's still definitely happening. But we is the kids still in, is it, is, oh, so the, it's gone past the, the, um, the funding part now you're, you've actually. Yeah. So we raised the funds. Oh, okay. Because I was on the site this morning and it says that you hadn't. So, okay. Maybe it needs to update. Yeah. Oh, probably. <laughs> so we, we raised the funds, but Yay. now just for production we're on hold. Yeah. Um, but the goal is to have these little aprons out by the summer. I can't um, wait. For that, we've just done matching. Um, we've matched the, our three most popular designs. So yeah. easier from a design perspective because we've basically just shrunk them. Yeah. Um, right? They're little little mini versions. But we thought a lot of people like to match. Right? They, they do, especially them. moms. New moms and, and moms like mom and me, you know, they love that. My, yeah. my best friend or something. You know, they think that's really cute. The um, Can you give up that website? Yeah. So that people can order for the kids, order for themselves too. Do you have a, a so, will you have a price point for two? So our website, cooksufi.com, right now it's just the adult aprons that are for sale. Once we have the kids more or less like the production complete, that's when we'll put them up on, on the website. So our adult aprons range anywhere from 65 to 75. And the kids' aprons, we haven't finalized pricing yet. It'll be a little bit cheaper. Right. But to be to be transparent, most of our cost goes towards providing the 100 meals. Right. So not too big of a difference, but obviously take into account that it, it is cheaper. You want to, you want to get the 100 meals out there? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, I understand that totally. Yeah. Yeah. There's savings in like because we're using a little less fabric, but the time to make them still takes more or less the same. Sure. But there are there there will be like there will be uh, they will be cheaper than our adult aprons, but not like half the price or anything because because most of our money goes towards yeah uh, under meals and making sure that we're providing you know fair wages to our to our ladies that's really important to us right yeah the um do you have a cookbook with it so we don't have a cookbook yet um the plan is as we grow i actually want to reach out to our customers and i thought it'd be kind of fun to do that would be like fun. a little contest to say you know, what is that recipe in your family that brings everyone to the table? Yeah. Um, and then create something like that. And, and in addition, asking our chef ambassadors to provide their recipe as well. Um, so that, you know, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, you know, I guess a, a, 
I want to say a, a product of love, but you know, everyone getting involved and saying, "Here, this is what brings everyone around the table in our family." Yeah, uh, I really like that idea. I like it too. That's cool. Or you know, what, what were you inspired to make when you first put the paper on? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one too. I, I really feel that with with when you're a foodie, there's you know. There, like I always say, there's nothing better than great conversation and great food, right? To be surrounded with friends and family yeah. and enjoying great food. Um, and that to me, like, I think when, when people love that so much and they understand that there's so many people who don't have that, mm-hmm. you know, they're more passionate about solving that problem. And people get it when you say, well, what's that meal that brings everyone around the table, right? Yeah. So I feel like it's, we, like, we, no one can solve hunger on their own. It's all about getting everyone together and I really think that if we could unite food lovers that's when it can happen so I feel like if we came out with this cookbook it would have to be you know reaching out to all our customers it's okay now what's your favorite recipe right It'd be fun to have the kids one too see what the kids yeah. cook the um how are your kids with you running this this show here <laughs> um it's 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 interesting. So they don't think it's my business. It's our business. Mm-hmm. Um, they get just as excited when you know we have a shipment show up and we have to you know go through everything. They're they're also and they're so excited now for the kids' aprons. Uh, and of course, I use them for to be models. Sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, they. I I think it's been an eye opening thing with them as well because you know I tell them this is what I'm doing we're feeding people that's why you know every apron has every apron has this red label that says one apron equals 100 mm-hmm. so I think it's really been great for them to see that like to know that okay I, I want my children to know that if you want to do something in life if there's a problem you want to fix you can right um for both me and my husband that's you know I, I grew up very much from you know an Indian parent perspective and an, an immigrant Indian perspective that you have to go to university and become a doctor or this right. or you know and I'm, I'm so I'm very mindful of of wanting to make sure that my children understand that you know what let's not let's not label okay what you're going to be like from a career perspective let's, let's just look at what are you passionate about what problems do you want to fix in the world mm-hmm. and you can do that so I, I feel like at least this is giving them, you know, a bit of an eye opener that you can do that. You don't have to go and, you know, find your typical nine to five job. If you have a, if there's something you're passionate about, go solve the problem. And that could be your job. Yeah. So I feel like that's given them um, just a different outlook on life. Um, both my husband and I are entrepreneurs. So they see us both doing things that we're passionate about, which is wonderful. But unfortunately for my kids, my husband runs, it's it's very much a tech company. And I don't know if they fully understand. <laughs> my kids are quite young. Um, so I don't know if they really understand what his company is about. But with mine, it's like, hey, here's the product. This is what it does. So they, they get that. Did they did they have any friends at school who are food insecure or that don't get to eat or maybe have breakfast at school? Or are they cognizant of yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I they have said to me when we've had the discussion, oh yeah, I have, you know, this person at school sometimes doesn't have lunch, and this person, you know, they they notice these things now, and I think they didn't notice it before, and now yeah. they notice it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. That's and great. We, we try to do like every every year around the holidays, we'll go out. We just create like little care packages with like we make sandwiches and we put like little like. Um, like meal meal replacement drinks and we put socks and we put things in a little bag and we go give them to homeless people. And nice. that's been an eye opener for yeah. them as well. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's to, great. To be honest, and that's been an eye opener for me as well. Um, mm-hmm. doing that. It's a it's a, something we've started we've done like for like four or five years now. And the first time that we did it, 
I remember going with my kids and I was nervous and I, I thought it was really strange. I'm like, why am I nervous to go and give this to somebody? Um, so I had to really check myself and say, why, why am I afraid? Like, why is there this fear? Was it fear or was that a little bit of guilt that you have so much and they have? I don't know. I, I don't know if it was, I don't think it was guilt. I think it was more on the fear. Like I remember the first place we went, we were in, in downtown Toronto and we were under like one of the, the underpass for, <laughs> for the gardener. And there, cause there, there was some homes there that we've noticed, like some shelter set up. Right. Sure. Um, so we went there and I, I was scared and mm -hmm. I thought, why am I scared? Like, and, and so that, that just made me realize, okay, there, maybe that people do have this fear of homeless people and it's, yeah. it's not, it's not rational. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's not rational. So I really had to check myself and make sure that, okay, I don't pass know, that, on. that same fear. Yeah. To my children. Yeah. It's interesting what we give our kids, you know, consciously, unconsciously and, and, the <laughs> I had a condo business when my kids were young so you know AIDS was big in the 80s and I was doing working for Toronto Health and public and I was going out and I had my own customized condo packaging business and my kids would help to tear them apart and, and you know they wouldn't tell their friends they were embarrassed but <laughs> <laughs> but I, my son when he was like 16 he goes what's the best condom to use <laughs> and it was, it was kind of funny yeah but you know what they 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 saw and they see you get involved with things and you know my daughter's like one of the biggest volunteers she just won volunteer of the award you know with, with her with her business and stuff and it's like they get it and and they carry it through to adulthood and so it's a wonderful thing that you're doing with them really and then they'll, they'll i'm sure that your kids will come up with something too that they'll be passionate about and, and bring out to the world and change and fix nobody's going to do it i mean everybody's waiting for somebody else to do it you know why doesn't yeah. someone do that and you're that someone you know we're that someone you, you know though i think a big thing with that is just because I wasn't because I met these women, right? I think it's different when you know something, when you you know you understand a problem, but when you don't really see it, mm -hmm. it's it's easy to remove yourself from it, right? Like you see, you know, you see these commercials for like World Vision on TV, and yeah, you know that exists, you know that people live like sure. that, but it's different when you're there. Yeah, um, and I think that was that's why I think that moment was so important for me. Like when I met these women and realized, you know, okay, yes, I knew people live like this, but w until you get to talk to them and know their stories, then it changes you, right? Then you are changed. You're changed as a person. Right. Yeah. Um, so really, I felt like, okay, if I go back to Canada and, you know, forget about this and shame on me because I've had this opportunity now to meet these ladies um, and know why it's so important, you know, from a personal level that they have these opportunities. What, what did you have to supply? Did you have to supply um, the machines? sewing machines for them or a place for them to do it or do they do it together in a, in a building or where do they go so the way the ngo works um is that so they 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 were already well like set up established before okay. I even, yeah before i even met them they've actually been now been around for 10 years okay uh, actually, just over 10 years now so when i had met them they were i think just over 20 ladies um and they had the sewing machines and a lot of the stuff like, like as well gets donated to them as well um the training to train them, they do. We do have someone come in to train the ladies, but in all honesty, they already know how to make clothes because a lot of them have to make clothes for their children, and but right. they make them by hand. So it's really just teaching them how to use these industrial sewing machines and the cutters, which doesn't take too long. Um, when I had met them, one of the biggest things um, that the NGO uh, management was telling me was that you know they were getting orders from like some designer brands in Europe and in North America to do like one or two different product lines 
but they're saying the issue with that is is that it's not a sustainable way to grow the team right if you just do one product line or you don't know it could stop you know it could just be this one selection this sure. you know, one for this season and it's done um and also they were getting them to make things like handbags and dresses and things that really took these ladies a long time to perfect before they could actually produce yeah so i think one of the things when i was talking to these ladies was that you know if you have if it takes you months before you can actually feel like you're being productive and doing your job you're like so disheartened right like your your ambition level has shrunk drastically sure. it's your first job right and your whole life you thought you couldn't do it yeah. so now like so when i when i came up with this idea of cook to feed i really wanted to stick with a product that i'm like okay within a few days they should be may, be able to make this product yeah um, that was key for me because I really want them to just come on board, feel, you know, get that confidence right away and produce. So that was a big thing for me that I noticed that they were struggling, the NGO was struggling with when I joined was how do, how can we simple, make simple products that are in need that people will, you know, use these products, but they're simple enough to make that these ladies can definitely get going right away. Yeah. So they feel like there's really a satisfaction of completion too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So I'm, I'm, that's, and I keep that now in mind whenever we look at other products. So the kids' aprons are what we're doing now, but we are looking at other kitchen textiles like oven mitts and tea towels and placemats and everything. I, I want to make sure that these are, they should be something that they can get trained on relatively quickly. Yeah. So I guess where, where I come in is in that, with that fact. I, when I'm there, I help okay, say, okay, this is what it should look like. These are the specs. And Little chef hat for kids would be cute. So we do have those coming. Yeah, those are cute. That would be cute. But you see a lot of the guys wear bandanas and stuff in the kitchen because they're always sweating. You know, all that sweat's going in their food, right? So something like that is easy to make a bandana. I mean, it's nothing, right? Yeah, it's but it matchy-matchy. Yeah. Matchy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. I'm an idea person. That's all I do. Seema, thank you so much for coming on. It, you've been great. And what a wonderful, you know, wonderful idea that you had. And... And it's always great for me. I just love to talk to entrepreneurs and people who are taking it, you know, and, and running with it. Because so many people watch TV and they go, oh, I had that idea. I had that idea. Yeah. And, you know, I've got, uh, I've got a few books that I've written. But one of my Frankieisms is that opportunities come to everybody, just not everybody actions upon them. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's, you know, yeah, we all have that idea. But one person took it that step further and, and created you know the actual product or, or the mission with it so good on you and it's fear right it's fear it's People fear afraid and i i feel like or they don't know how sometimes they just don't know how you know yeah. and and it's not that well when, when you know how it's i go it's not that difficult but when you don't know how it is and you don't know people or you don't know how to go about doing th some things but obviously you're you know you're very intelligent and you figured it out and good for you and I hope people will be inspired to go and do their own thing from you too. I hope so too. I hope so too. Don't. The, I think the worst thing is that if you're, you know, old and gray and have a, you know, that thought. Oh, I wish I would have. I feel like that's probably the worst feeling. So. Well, I've got a, I've got a company called Rent a Believer. You know, I'm a coach too, and Rent a Believer is about because as a coach, I figured out what do I do as a coach. I hold the belief for people that they can do stuff until they can do it for themselves and so it's like you don't need me forever you just need me for a little bit you just rent that belief i have in you that you can accomplish something because i know that you can i know that people can do whatever they they set their mind to and and then you you let go and you say okay now i know how to do it on my own and that's all it is 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 a belief in self i think is the number one self-confidence and and uh 
desire, you know, passion and desire, really. So I can't wait for the kids' aprons to come out. I'm really excited. I'd be uh, excited to see your new products. And um, how can people find out about who's getting fed? Like, how do we know? Like, how is that? Yeah. So on our website, we do have a, like a detailed page on where the food's going. So we have our three charity partners. Um, so Second Harvest in Canada is, is, our, is our Canadian yeah. partner, Second Harvest. And we work with a charity called Rescuing Leftover Cuisine. They're in the U.S. They're pretty much in every major city in the U.S. And then in Asia, we work with Feeding India. So okay. they all rescue food waste at different levels of the food chain. And it, a lot of it depends on like the different laws in each country. So in Canada, there's a lot of strictness around, you know, where the food comes from. Right. Most of the food for our second harvest comes from the farmers or at the grocery store level. Our partner in the U.S., most of their food comes from restaurants and cafes. And, yeah. in, and with Feeding India, most of their food actually comes from social gatherings and weddings and catering yeah. events. Yeah. Um, so th- those are our three charity partners. Over a third of our profits go towards supporting these charities so that we can get to the 100 meals. It's actually 107, but we just figured that didn't sound catchy. That's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> 107. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. I remember, you know, I had um, Jordan from, from uh, Ugly Fruit, you know, and and he was on a couple years ago, and, and it's amazing that all that food is thrown out because it's ugly. It, it's misshapen or it doesn't look perfect. And so you have this imperfect food that people would die to eat, just going in a garbage dump like it's crazy same nutritional value just and when you cook it and you won't know (laughs) yeah cut it out you know cut around it or whatever the case might be but wow that's crazy anyway thanks so much for for being on the show i'm going to say goodbye facebook and we're going to stop the live stream there thank you guys for tuning in and i'm just going to stop our